Hello, everyone. This is Mike Saddam, and welcome back to the Crucial Talks podcast, where we believe if we want to understand behavior, we need to understand what drives people. Now, I've talked about the fundamentals of this podcast before, including self-categorization, which is how we transform ourselves, social identity to help us understand group behavior, and appreciative inquiry as a way to work toward excellence in our human-based systems. All of these things have a few things in common. First, people are social animals. Second, people are the only social animals on the planet that can construct reality with each other and within ourselves. And third, people construct reality through storytelling and communication. And that is why I am so excited to introduce you to today's guest, Sherry Torres. She is the co-author of the book, Conversations Worth Having. This book is absolutely a must-read for any of us that are interested in using appreciative inquiry to fuel productive and meaningful engagement. As soon as this is over, go to www.conversationsworthhaving.today and take a look. Again, it's www.conversationsworthhaving.today and take a look at what they have to offer on that website. So Sherry is not only an appreciative inquiry practitioner, but she's also a PhD. She understands the power of people and the social systems we work in and live in. These systems can include our relationships, our organizations, and our communities. So without further ado, please help me welcome to the Crucial Talks podcast, Sherry Torres. And Sherry, thank you so much for being part of this podcast. Oh, it's my great pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, having me on. Anytime. So can we start by having you tell us a little bit about you and why you are so passionate about helping people engage with each other? Um, so I, I have backed into appreciative inquiry um, through outdoor experiential education. I used to facilitate leadership and team development using ropes courses and whitewater rafting and uh, mountain climbing. And our, our frame for debriefing activities and having people learn was very much of an appreciative frame, but I hadn't been exposed to appreciative inquiry yet. And part of my job was to train other facilitators and it was a challenge to help people to look through the eye of strengths to see where, where were people excelling and help them to kind of shine a spotlight on that and, um, and then talk about why that helped them succeed. And then one day I was at an uh, outdoor experiential education conference and someone had just taken David uh, Cooper Ryder and Diana Whitney's first training and he was on fire. He did an open space session, shared it with everybody and I thought that is it. There's the answer. There is a very clear and explicit model with all the research to back it up and I haven't stopped using it since. Well, and for people that don't know, uh, David Cooper Ryder is pretty much the founder of Appreciative Inquiry, right? I mean, um, I know that he wrote uh, an intro to your book and, uh, you know, the Cooper Ryder Center does a lot with Appreciative Inquiry. So Appreciative Inquiry is really this, the way I explain it to people is, hey, look, if we have a bell curve and the middle of the bell curve and to the left is kind of what we get with the old way of doing things, right? Trying to find a problem, trying to have policy and procedures to fix those problems. That might get us to the middle. But what appreciative inquiry does 
it's kind of brings us to the right side of that bell curve, to the excellent side where there's innovation and creativity. So my question for you is, why is appreciative inquiry so beneficial to the notion of communication engagement, the things you talk about in your book? Why does, why does AI help so much? Uh, I think for two reasons. Um, one is kind of a more theoretical, um, the underlying foundation and philosophy behind appreciative inquiry is that we create our social systems in the way we talk together, in the way we make meaning together. And so whatever we are focusing on, we're going to create more of that. And so if we're focusing on problems and what's wrong, we're going to grow more of those things. Whereas if we are focused on what it is that we want, where we want to go together and what's possible, the more we talk about that together, the more we bring that into reality. And so from a standpoint of looking at how do we create organizations that work for everyone and that really thrive? And how do we create communities that thrive where everyone can fully participate? That means changing our conversations and having conversations with each other about the possibility for making those things happen. The, the second piece um, about why I think this is so important is really lies in the in the research on neurophysiology, positive psychology, positive organizational scholarship, there is so much research out there right now that underscores that the way you, the way you bring the best of humanity, the best potential of a human being, the way you bring that to bear on, on any engagement is to make sure that they have access to all of their thinking capacity. And that means operating in a safe environment where um, people actually, on balance, they feel greater positivity, curiosity, hope, um, that they're valued, their voice matters. And when, when you bring a group of people together where they're all bringing their full capacity, their full um, creativity, critical thinking, and um, knowledge to bear on something that we're unstoppable as a species. Uh, yeah. So I think um, we want to harness the best in people and research tells us how to do that now. Well, and that is a great point because we've talked about it before on this podcast where I've told people, Hey, look, if you can build, and really I'll use your own words. If you can build this group that feels safe and feels trust, and they are not looking inside to protect themselves. Now they're being able to turn all their energy, all their power, all their focus outside where opportunities exist to, to grow and to reach excellence. And so on other po- episodes of this podcast, I've also talked about how a lot of organizations in the U.S. and really around the globe have this focus on deficits, that, ha- that focus on the negative, the focus on problems. So you talked about shifting focus, and that's what I'd like you to answer next is, so how does appreciative inquiry actually help shift people's focus from this negative view that we're kind of, it's kind of like the baseline now around the world to this positive view where we can, we can reach this level of innovation and creativity and trust and safety within our human groups and our, our systems? That's a great question, and I think it's an important one. 
sometimes people, when they hear appreciative inquiry and they hear people say to focus, focus on a positive frame, um, they immediately think, oh, you're putting on rose-colored glasses and you're just going to pay attention to what works. And it couldn't be less true. Appreciative inquiry is all about um, resolving some of the world's most complex um, challenges, but to do so by framing the conversation around what it is that we want. So in an appreciative, um, appreciative inquiry, when it's faced with a problem or an issue, um, gets clarity on the problem or the issue, but then rather than doing a root cause analysis to try to fix what's wrong, appreciative inquiry would say, so what is it that we want? And they might even stop, start by flipping it to what, what's the positive opposite of if we didn't have the problem, what would we have instead? Um, and then to explore that a little further and go a little further to say, and if that was, quote, fixed, if we didn't have the problem, what might be possible um, so that you can expand even further out? Let me give you just a quick example. Um, British Airways, when they had a, um, an issue with lost baggage, and they brought in a consultant. And when, when they told her what they needed, they said, we want you to fix our lost baggage problem. And, and she said, well, what do you want? And they said, well, we want baggage recovery, which was the positive opposite. And she said, well, is there, what, you know, what else? Isn't there more that you want? And then we looked at her puzzled and she said, well, what happens if you, if, if you recover all your bags? What, what's the outcome? And they said, well, we have very happy customers. Um, you know, when they arrive, they're happy because they've got their baggage. And they played around with that for a while. And eventually where they got to was what they really wanted was exceptional arrival experience. And baggage recovery was a portion of that. So they, they were addressing that issue. But at, the, at that time, at the same time, they were exploring all other possible ways to create exceptional arrival experience. So they created a much more um, fun, adventuresome, positive um, climate when people were exploring um, what is it that creates, you know, exceptional arrival experience. And, and people get excited about um, researching and looking into and developing innovative and creative ways to create something positive and much more so than they are when they're trying to fix a problem where they may feel guilt or blame for what has gone wrong. Well, so is this why appreciative inquiry, one of the benefits to it is this idea that it is a way to build capacity in our human-based systems, in systems that depend on people. Because when you when you gave me that example, what I was thinking of was I've had my bags lost, right? I mean, you and I are uh -huh. in, in areas where we travel a lot to speak or for you to consult or, or teach or whatever you happen to be doing. We travel a lot. We've had our bags lost. And so I think a lot of people listening to this have had the same things happen. Some people have had vacations ruined. Some people just didn't have the clothes for the next day's business meeting. But again, when you give us that example, we can feel what it's like to have that negative view. Like we just want that problem fixed. But when you bring it into an organizational system or organizational context, I love this example because basically what you said is the situation that we're dealing with kind of stayed the same, right? They're dealing with this, this lost baggage issue. 
but the lens you use to view it changed and the words you use to talk about it changed. So rather than just putting a, a simple fix in or a Band-Aid fix, hey, maybe we'll use barcodes or maybe we'll, we'll scan bags more often or whatever it happens to be, appreciative inquiry and the questions, the conversations that are had are instead of trying to fix the problem or trying to build the capacity for this exceptional arrival experience. Is that fair to say? Is that kind of a correct mindset on what I'm thinking about when I, when I hear this example? It not only builds capacity, it also taps into the capacity of the organization. So the capacity is there and you can access it when you're using appreciative inquiry. And when you access it, that also grows further capacity. Okay. So I love that thought. So, so what you're saying is, look, by, by changing the conversation, by having this, this different thought, then what you're actually able to do is the capacity is there in that system. And with all these people, now you're finding ways to tap into it. Yes. Now that's an awesome way to put that. Um, I love that thought. So when we're talking about people, one of the themes of this podcast is that people are our greatest resource of any organization and through people we can we can build this capacity or the way you put it, we can tap into the capacity that people have in these systems. And we know that leaders in organizations spend most of their time communicating in one way or another. So what are some of these appreciative inquiry principles that can help us communicate to try to tap into this this innovative capacity or this ability of people to build capacity in the system? Um, let me just ask a question. Are you referring to the appreciative inquiry principles when you yes. ask that question? Okay. Yeah. Anything we can glean. So there are a lot of people that listen to this that may not have the background you have, but are there appreciative inquiry principles they can take away to start doing this in their own organizations? Absolutely. Um, the, one of the first principles, and I think it's, I referred to it earlier, is that principle of uh, constructionist principle. And it's that notion that the way we are engaging with each other, the way we are talking, and the way we're making meaning is what creates the organization's reality. So paying attention. It's like the, the one of the things in writing this book, Conversations Worth Having, that has... Um, I knew it intellectually, but um, in working with the material from this book and in talking about appreciative inquiry from the standpoint of our conversations, we're always engaged in conversation, unless, unless we're really good at meditating. <laughs> um, so we're either in conversation with our own head in that inner dialogue, or we're interacting with other people. And those conversations are not neutral. They're moving us in one direction or another. And and yet we have those conversations so often without thinking about what it is we're doing with our words. And what the constructionist principle says is think about what you're doing with your words and be intentional. Um, use, use your words with each other to, um, to create, to construct the world that you want. So that's one of the primary ones. Um, Words are very powerful. One of the other principles is the principle of simultaneity. And again, it's, it's based on that the same kind of the same, that same principle that your words have power is that change happens the moment you make a statement or ask a question. 
Um, so if I were to ask you to, you know, think about the last time when, you know, you really messed up, you're going to go into uh, and immediately go into a state that puts you in a, uh, in a less than or a one down position. Um, and you have less access to your capacity in that position. Whereas if I say, think about the last time that you really nailed something. Well, you know, you made a presentation or you, you did a podcast that just blew it out of the water. That takes you to a very, very different place. And from there, you've got so much more capacity for creativity and engagement and connection with other people. So you, again, using your words um, to, to, to inspire the best of people and to empower them. And, um, and the, the other principles are related to almost to the, the self-fulfilling prophecy is that whatever we anticipate or what we're expecting, we often look for, we listen for it. And so it's almost like we're bringing it about. And what appreciative inquiry would suggest then is look for the good, look for the best, look for the, the times when the organization has been at its best or when you're using your strengths and you're feeling like you can really contribute. And, um, pay attention to when other people are really at their best. Uh, and so that both the um, anticipatory principle and the poetic principle are really focused on um, you know, pay attention to what your mindset is and, and what you're looking for, because you're going you're gonna to see, you're going to find what you look for. And then the fifth principle is the positive principle. And that's just the notion that the more positive our question, the more positive the potential is in, uh, in those engagements, um, the more the, the bolder and more provocative a question you ask, the more uh, colorful and the bolder the potential um, possibilities are as somebody seeks to answer that question. And so asking questions about the good, the true, the possible um, helps you to imagine and then bring about those things. Well, and so I, what I hear you saying and what really leads us back to these, these principles and how they can impact a leader's ability to make change within their organization or within their team or within a couple of people is really being intentional about what you're saying and how you're saying it. Because it sounds like if we can focus on the positive, what we can create is a environment where creativity and innovation is something that we can actually draw upon merely by how we communicate and the words we use. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. So as a, you know, there's, there's a lot of people out there listening and that do want to have these types of conversations that do want to start maybe immediately, like first thing tomorrow morning, the next meeting they have starting to use things out of appreciative inquiry, but these principles may be a little vague to them. Is there anything concrete, like certain steps they could take to start building their ability to use these different principles just day to day from, from starting tomorrow morning? There's something they can use that's, that's really simple on how they can start their conversations or how they can start asking questions. 
Absolutely. And that's really what our book is all about, um, is that there are two very simple practices. Um, they're not necessarily easy to do all the time, but they are very simple. It's just it's a matter of practicing until it becomes a new habit. Um, the first one is asking generative questions. And that that is as simple as asking questions that will generate either new knowledge, understanding, um, possibilities, uh, new information. Uh, and so it's, it, and that's kind of grounded in, if the first thing you can do always is kind of check into your own mind about what am I assuming or what am I making up here? What am I taking for granted that maybe I should ask a question about when somebody says something instead of assuming I know exactly what they mean to ask, you know, can you tell me more about that? Or what do you mean by that? The other thing you can do is if somebody is in a, starts a conversation and they're going down a negative pathway, um, for instance, somebody's complaining about something, um, instead of joining in that, you can ask a generative question that flips the conversation. For example, you can say, so what would you rather have happen instead? What, what do you want? And that often, that often stops people and, you know, in their tracks because all of a sudden it's like, oh, what do I want? Um, and sometimes they've never even thought about that. They just know what they don't want. So it can be a, a very valuable question. And then you're just with that simple kind of a, of a question, um, you're in a whole different conversation. I remember the very, one of the very first times I, I tried specifically to use appreciative inquiry was right after I took um, David and Diana's first, uh, second workshop. We were on the fourth, fourth day, um, and there was a half day um, on Friday morning left and they um, had hosted a wine and cheese party and I was in the conversation I was in conversation with a um, an administrator from a large hospital and he he'd been trying to um, create teams within the hospital and he was in the midst of complaining about how doctors were just not team players and they were off on their own. And, and I was listening and I was kind of com commiserating. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Whoa, wait a minute. We have just been in appreciative inquiry for four days and here we are in a deficit based conversation. And I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to try this out and see if this really works. And so I asked him, do you have any doctors that are on board with your program? And I watched his entire person shift his face lit up his he stood up taller his shoulders went back he had a smile on his face and he was like i have 15 of the most amazing doctors and he was off and running and i have no idea what he said because all i was thinking was holy toledo this stuff is very powerful um a conversation can change in a heartbeat with a very simple question. Well, and I, I love that story. I mean, that is an awesome story you told us because another one of the foundations of this podcast, everything I speak about, talk to other people about, is the fact that as social storytelling animals, the reason we are so powerful is because the 
the reality we construct with each other through talking, through storytelling, through narrative is powerful because it changes our feelings and our emotions, which is how we make decisions. I love that story because even in, I mean, you were just learning how to do it in a workshop, but it worked and you proved it to yourself that merely by changing the frame of the conversation, you changed the way he felt, which means you changed the direction he was going. That is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was very impressive. <laughs> I became a believer that night. <laughs> and so really what it sounds like is there are some basic principles that anybody really can use to change the way a conversation is going, which ultimately will change the system they're in and be able to shift the view and shift the vision people have so they can start going down these these more positive paths. Because I think what we all of us really want, whether it's a, a work uh, situation or a life situation, you know, in a relationship or in a family or just in a community or church or whatever, really what we're all looking for is an environment where it is positive and motivational and innovative and creative and not this deficit focused negative view all the time where the organization or the group is just looked at as a problem we have to deal with as opposed to something that we get uh, a lot of esteem from and a lot of belonging from. And that's what I think I really love about appreciative inquiry is the fact that it looks for that, you know, that lifeblood of the organization and it gives, it gives life to this other, you know, other view would be a bureaucratic kind of monolithic thing where appreciative inquiry lets us look at it as kind of like a, almost a living thing where we can get a lot of what we need as human beings from these interactions. And that's why I love this book so much. Your conversations worth having book is because it, it lets us do that without any needing anything new, right? I don't have to buy a new software program to do this. No. I'm a human being and the person I'm talking to is a human being. So it works. I mean, you were talking to somebody and you were uh, at the time, um, were you doing your, your outdoor experiential leadership training? Yes, that's a, that, that was when I was doing that. So, so you're doing these outdoor uh, workshops or outdoor experiential learning, and now you're in a workshop about appreciative inquiry, and you're there with a doctor. So you guys are playing two totally different roles. You're part of two totally different systems, but the principles of appreciative inquiry worked. Absolutely. So with yeah. that in mind, who does this book I mean, I already know the answer. I want to ask a question, but <laughs> who does this book apply to? Anybody, anybody who is engaged in conversations. And it's, it is really as simple as saying, what's the tone and the direction of the conversation I'm having? Is the tone uplifting? Is it inspiring me? Is it bringing out the best of me and the other people? And is it moving in the direction that we that we want to grow? Do we want more of what we're talking about or less? And then how do we ask questions that help us improve the tone and move towards what we want? It's really that simple. But it's um, so anybody in a conversation, this is about um, parents and kids. It's about teachers and students. It's about um, couples and relationships, husbands and wives. It's about businesses and Anywhere there's a human system engaged in a conversation, this can be um, a lifesaver. Well, and I love it because when I hear you talk and when I read the book and when I see everything, 
everybody that's an active appreciative inquiry practitioner, uh, when I see what they're doing, I see a lot of a lot of things going on that. And I might be a little bit outside the box here, but just go with me for a little bit. <laughs> but I not only see it applicable to, like you said, a relationship, husband and wife, or parent to child, or in a broader system, right? From the smallest, from the smallest organization to the largest company with with multiple offices across the world. But these conversations, can we have these types of conversations with ourselves? Are there lessons mm-hmm. we can learn? for us as individuals that I guess the conversations or the stories or the narratives we tell ourselves. Yes, absolutely. And, and for most of us, our inner conversations are where we are the most critical um, and the most destructive um, with our own selves. And anything that comes, anything that we, that we, we talk about on the outside, we, we also talk to ourselves on the inside. Um, and most people that I know, and including myself, um, it's so easy for me to see my faults, my weaknesses, my, you know, I wish I could improve that. And those conversations impact my ability to actually do what I want to do. And so being able to, even, my, even within my own self, you know, when have I been at my best? And when have I... Um, what can I learn from when I'm at my best? So in this next thing that I'm about to do, I can bring forward my strengths instead of um, focusing on what might go wrong. Well, with that, uh, I think it's an awesome place to kind of leave off because we've talked about how appreciative inquiry and the principles in your book, Conversations Worth Having, can apply to these huge systems, big organizations, industries, but could apply to teams can apply to relationships, but can even apply to ourselves. That is a great place I think we can we can leave off. Um, I really appreciate your time, and I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast because personally, I absolutely love this conversation, and I am really, really thankful I had the opportunity to talk to someone who can help so many people get to this place of excellence and, and so many systems get to this place of excellence by taking a strength-based positive approach to really human behavior through communication. So I am obviously a fan of the book and I think a lot of people can get some serious value out of reading the book. And again, it's called conversations worth having using appreciative inquiry to fuel productive and meaningful engagement. And for anybody listening, when you go online and try to find it, you can't miss it. It's got a white cover with yellow, blue, red, and green speech balloons on it. You, you can't miss it. So, Sherry, besides the book, can you tell us what else you can offer and value to other people listening and the best way they can get in touch with you? Uh, sure. Um, Jackie and I both, Jackie's my co-author, and uh, Jackie and I both work with organizations and with uh, school systems um, to support them in having uh, conversations worth having within their organizations, whether they're strategic conversations or shifting the kinds of conversations they have across their culture in order to support the outcomes they're looking for. Um, We're in the process of developing a train-the-trainer program so that organizations can actually bring this internal and and facilitate their own change from the inside out. 
Um, and they can uh, contact us at conversationsworthhaving.today. Um, and my email and Jackie's email are just it's Sherry, C-H-E-R-I, at conversationsworthhavingtoday, or Jackie at conversationsworthhavingtoday.today. Well, thank you so much, Sherry. And uh, for everybody listening, Jackie, we're going to do like a part two to this. Uh, Jackie's going to be on the show sometime in the near future, and we'll be able to continue this conversation worth having. So again, that website is conversationsworthhaving.today, and you can reach Sherry there or Jackie. And I would really ask you to take a look at this book. I mean, the more I'm reading it, uh, the, even looking through chapters I've already read, there's more you can get out of it. It, it goes pretty deep, but it's very, very, very understandable. It's a great book for all of us kind of interested in appreciative inquiry, uh, gives us a look into some of the mindsets that you need to have these great communications and to begin positive change with the first words coming out of your mouth. Uh, it really is a great book. So I hope you all got a lot out of this episode because I know I did. You know I believe in appreciative inquiry. You know I believe that it can get us beyond average to excellent and that people are social storytelling animals, which is what makes us so successful. So many of the other Crucial Talks episodes touch on these same topics. And a couple you may want to check out are episode 39 on appreciative inquiry and episode 22 on capacity building. If you have a chance, I'd love for you to visit the Crucial Talks website at www.crucialtalks.com and connect with me via email or on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter. And if you need anything from me or would like me to speak at your organization, please reach out. Also, please do me a favor and share the podcast, leave a review, and rate it. By doing this, we get to reach a greater number of people and they can listen to great interviews just like the one we had with Sherry. So thank you again for listening. And remember, if we want to understand behavior, we need to understand what drives people.